And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, A man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The Christian message can be summed up uh, quite simply or the Christian teaching with four words. Love God, love people. Right? That's kind of the, the summary of, like, of what Jesus says is the great commandment and in fact the commandment that was just quoted in the scripture we heard read. And so uh, at the end of this passage that we get to today in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 10, we basically get two stories which outline what that looks like, what it looks like to uh, love people and what it looks like to love God. And so we're going to dig around in them a little bit. We're going to spend most of our time looking at the first story, but we will touch on the second story as well. Uh, and the first story is maybe one of the most, outside of maybe the Christmas story, Nativity and Easter, maybe one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told, the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, you know, it's quite popular within our culture today. You've got the Samaritan's charity. It comes out of this story, you know, helpline for people. People love the idea of, of, of loving your neighbour, you know, being at peace with your neighbour. Uh, obviously, until they park in your, in your car space, then it's go to war with your neighbour. And by war, I mean write a passive-aggressive note and put it on their windscreen. 
Um, but, you know, we, we love this. This is quite a popular idea, loving your neighbour, and, and maybe a, probably a familiar story to all of us. So we're going to dig around in it for a little while. Um, and like a lot of stories in Jesus' teaching, it begins with him being asked a question. Right at the, the beginning of the passage, a lawyer, a, a man well-versed in the law, comes and he asks Jesus a question. What have I got to do to get eternal life, Jesus? And, and, and it's funny because on the surface, it looks like quite just an honest, you know, just a simple question. He's actually asking him. But Luke tells us right at the beginning of the text that actually this was, he was putting Jesus to the test. He was, he was trying to trick Jesus, trying to catch him out, so to speak. And uh, Jesus, knowing this, replies to his question in, in, in a way that only Jesus does. He answers a question with a question. You know, I think the lawyer thought that Jesus was going to say something about, you know, I'll oh, just follow me or no regard for the law. And that would have kind of maybe uh, given him a springboard to attack him. But, but Jesus asks him, well, what do you think? And the man, being a lawyer, of course, goes straight to the law. He, he, he quotes from Leviticus 19, love the Lord your God of all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus gives him a, a big thumbs up, you know. That's it. Well done. Now go and do it. And um, you know, Jesus knows, as you, you and I know, that that is like an impossible task. The man is powerless to be able to fulfil that sort of command, to love the Lord with all his mind, strength and, and soul, and to love neighbours as himself. And, and the lawyer knows it. And so the lawyer asks a question in response, a follow-up question. You can tell he's a lawyer. He says, you know, who is my neighbour? What a question. But who is my neighbour? Because essentially the, the, the lawyer is thinking this is a huge task. He's trying to whittle it down almost. All right, I can do that, but just tell me who my neighbour is and I'll love those people. He, he, you can see he's already not getting the idea. He's like, no, I'll just tell me who my neighbour is. I'll love them, but maybe not others. And, and this is where we get Jesus telling us this amazing story about a man, a man who's, who's travelling down a road. It's what he says, a man's walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, down the Jericho Road. It's, it's a, that road is about 17, 18 miles. It'd be like walking from kind of here to Gravesend or, you know, yeah, from sort of, you know, from Downham, let's say, to, to Sevenoaks. It's quite a way, but doable in, in a day's journey easily. But this road was, was quite a dangerous road. It was, there was, it was, hilly at points, there was lots of nooks and crannies and caves and places for people, for, for I guess highwaymen to ambush you, to rob you. It was considered quite a dangerous place to walk, maybe like walking through Catford late at night. Um, no, I've not got anything against Catford, it's just not quite as posh as Downham and um, you know maybe somewhere not to go. But, but this road is a dangerous place, right? It's a dangerous place for him to go and he's on the road and as people maybe would have expected, he's, he's encountered by some robbers. They rob him, they strip him, they beat him, they leave him half dead within an inch of his life and he's there. But it's okay, good news is coming. A priest is coming along the road. A, 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 you know, a churchgoer, a do-gooder, a priest is coming. Jesus says the priest sees the man, but then he crosses over. We don't get told why. Some speculate that, that maybe he was concerned about ritual purity. You get kind of instructions in, in the book of Numbers, chapter 5, about not interacting with people that are kind of in that state. Maybe he's thinking about ritual purity rather than love. But we don't, that's just speculation. The priest crosses over, walks on. 
But it's okay because the Levites turn up. The Levite, you know, Moses was from the tribe of Levi. From the tribe of Levi. That's a that's a good tribe. They they kind of uh, often very practical would help out on things around the temple. They they were kind of don't mind getting their hands dirty, getting stuck in. You think great, a Levite's coming. The Levite sees him, but the Levite also crosses over the road. Now now maybe these two men had their reasons. You know, maybe an important meeting to get to. Or maybe they thought it was too dangerous. You know, maybe there could still be robbers around. I don't want to put myself in harm's way by doing that. Maybe they thought the man was too far gone. What can I I do to help this man on the side? He's he's nearly dead. There's nothing nothing I can do. Maybe they thought, you know what, I'll I'll leave, but I'll pray for him as I go down the road. Pray he's okay. I don't know what, what their reasons are. We just get told that they see him and they leave him. And then Jesus tells us about a third man, a Samaritan man. Now, now you have to know that the Samaritans and, and, and the Jews, they hated one another. They were hostile to one another. Uh, even to this day, you kind of, we've seen even recently Palestine and, and Israel, lots of tension there. And it, there was huge amounts of tension between Samaritans and, 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 and Jews. So in a way, the Samaritan man had every reason to see a Jewish man on the side of the road beaten and think, you know what, forget him. I ain't going to help him out. I'm going to carry on. I've got things to do. That's not what happens. The Samaritan man, we read in, in verse 33, it's quite amazing. He saw him, he had compassion and went to him. Those 10 words are so rich. He, he sees him. He, he has compassion. His heart goes out and he acts. He goes towards him. That's what it says, verse 33 and 34. You know, if you keep reading the passage, I guess that's the only difference between the other two men and the Samaritan. They all see this man on the side of the road. They probably may have all heard him too. He might have been groaning, I don't know. But they've all seen him. But the difference between the Samaritan man is, is he acts, he goes towards him. And, and the text tells us that he does, does a number of things. But three of the things he does is, is he, he binds up his wounds. He, he pours oil and, and wine. That would have been to cleanse him and, and to stop infection. So he, he cares for him physically. It's the first thing he does. Physical care. The other thing he does is it says that he, he puts him on his animal and it says he goes in the overnight to take care of him. So he's, the man probably was traumatised. He's just been beaten up and robbed. He's probably in a real mess. He cares for his well-being emotionally. He cares for him. It's the second thing he does. And the third thing is we're told he pays two denarii. A denarii is like a day's wage. For two days' wages, he pays to put him up in, uh, to, to an innkeeper and to make sure he's okay. So he helps him financially. It's the third thing he does. Helping out this Jewish man on the side of the road, helping out this man on the side of the road, if you like, comes at great cost to him. It cost him his time, cost him his effort, it cost him his money. It comes at a cost. Helping people comes at a cost. That's what we see so clearly here. And that's the, the only thing that separates him from the other two. And, and I guess as I've been reading over this story time and time again, you sort of think, what would be the one thing for us to take away from it? And, and the one thing, friends, for us to hold on is, is that love looks like something. Love, well, what is love if it doesn't look like something? In this passage, it, it has an action. Love has an action. It, it costs and it has an action. That's what is, is so clear here. In fact, that's clear in both of these stories. 
Because you've got this story about a good Samaritan and then shortly after Jesus tells this story about Martha and Mary, two sisters that you know, one's got the hunt with the other one because she's, you know, one's trying to do all the chores and the other is, is sitting with Jesus. But even there, to, to, to love God, it looked like something. To, to, to serve Jesus, to be his disciple, it looked like sitting at his feet, hanging on his every word, being devoted to him. It's what Jesus says to, to Martha is, you know, that is the one thing that's necessary. Love looks like something. It looked like stopping on the side of a road and taking time and effort and spending money to help this person out. And it looked like coming and sitting at Jesus' feet and being devoted to him. But it also cost. Like I said, it cost the, the Samaritan man, but it also would have cost Mary, by the way, because as a woman, she would have known that people would have had to hunt with her with what she was doing. Her sister's kicking off. The women should have been doing the domestic duties in the house. She shouldn't be sitting at Jesus' feet. Men would have been going, what's she doing? She would have, there would have been, her reputation would have been damaged in what she's doing. But she would have been putting people out of joint. She would have been upsetting people. It came at a cost to Mary. Her single-minded devotion. Noah, I'm going to sit at Jesus' feet. In both of these two stories, we clearly see that love, that love looks like something and that it also comes at a cost. Now, when we read these passages, I've been really challenged. You know, you, uh, but also you find, I find it really, really hard. Let me just be really honest with you because we live in a city where there is so much need. We live in boroughs and areas where there is, there is so much need in South East London. We know that. There's so many people to, to help. There's so many people that have got so many issues. And, and sometimes I feel like we start to think, you know, I can't, like, what can we do? And often we don't, sometimes we can freeze and not do anything. And as I've been thinking about this, it's, it's a reminder that, listen, we cannot help everybody, but we can help somebody. We, we can't help everybody, but we can help Somebody, we, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And, and it's a reminder, and, and actually it reminds me of, of a film I really love. I'm, I'm really into, um, I might lose some people with this, but I'm, it's not Disney, don't worry. I'm really into like, um, sort of sport, inspirational sports films, which might not surprise you, um, but, but stay with me. One of the films that I really love is called Any Given Sunday, and it's about an American football team. It's called that because uh, the highest level they play on a Sunday, and on any given Sunday, any team can win, right? And um, basically, to cut along, kind of give a very brief overview of the film, they find themselves in a playoff final, right? This is towards the very end of the film, and it's half-time and they're losing. And the coach, who's played by Al Pacino, he comes into the dressing room and he gives this speech. It's amazing. And he basically says that life, like football, is a game of inches, right? This is what he says. And that... Uh, you know, one half a step too far to the right or too far to the left, you might not catch the ball. One uh, half a second too fast or too slow, you might not make it. You might miss that tackle here. You might not catch the ball there. He's like, life is a game of inches. But he says, when you add up all of those inches, when you add them all up, they don't seem like much in and of themselves. But when you add them all up, that's what makes a difference. He says, between winning and losing, between living and dying. And the kind of players, they all get G'd up. And of course, it's, you know, it's an American film. They go out and win. But whenever I hear that speech, every time I always just think about the Christian life. The, the, the often it's made up of so many little things, inches. 
you know, speaking to the man who said him the big issue and asking his name and finding out a bit about his story and remembering his name when you see him next time. Speaking to, you know, seeing a mum at the school gate who's upset and asking how you can help. In fact, my mum became a Christian almost in that way. She was a TA upset in the staff room crying about something and a Christian lady said, can I pray for you? And that was the start of my mum's journey coming to faith. That's the reason I'm in the faith. Small things, you know, uh, letting someone know, oh, you know what, let, we can borrow, you, you, you haven't got a car, use that car for a couple of weeks, we'll be fine, we'll get the bus. Oh, let me, let me oh, seeing the lady at the checkout who, whose card's declined, let me get you shopping. It's all these small little things, serving people, blessing people, bringing people up. In of themselves, they might not seem that big a deal, but when you add them all up, that's kingdom living. That's, that's, that's kingdom living in this part of London, if we're all doing it. And sometimes it, but it involves... Action. You have to do something. And it, and, it, and it can come at a cost. The Samaritan knew it there. It came at a personal cost to him. You know, Jesus ends the passage by saying to the, the story, by saying, who's the one who showed mercy? You know, who's the one who was the good neighbour? And they say the one who showed mercy. And what does Jesus say? Correct. Now you go and do the same. I love that. In fact, right at the start of the passage, when he's first asking the question and he quotes the law, he says, you've answered correctly, do this. And then again, he says, yeah, go and do likewise. And it reminds me of an illustration I once heard from Francis Chan, American preacher, a brilliant illustration. I can't try and claim it where he says that it'd be like, imagine if he asked his daughter, you know, can you go and tidy your room? And, and she comes back and he says, have you done it? And she says, no, but I memorised what you said and I can quote it to you in Greek. And I've kind of, I've held it in my heart. It'd be like... Go and, go, and do, go and clean your room. And sometimes we can be like that. It's like, Jesus, we've got to go and do something. You've got to live it out. It's no good just saying, oh, yeah, I know that passage. Know it well. Oh, yeah, I love that story. Sometimes we've, got, we've got to live it out. And, and I'm talking to myself as much as anyone. You kind of really think, go and do likewise. Jesus is, is challenging his listeners here and he's challenging us with his word. Go and do. I guess to kind of come into, as we kind of close and, and look at this, there's something I particularly want to highlight from this passage because it's, it's a huge challenge to us. But one of the questions you've got to ask is, well, why does Jesus kind of not put the, you know, maybe a Samaritan on the side of the road and have a Jewish man come and be his good neighbour? Do you know what I mean? Sort of thing. If he's trying to show the Jewish people what a good neighbour looks like, why doesn't he sort of put them in that position and say a good neighbour is looking after people? You sort of think, oh, no, no, because often when I think about the story, that's often who we identify with the most. We identify with the, the, the Samaritan. We should go and do all these things, which is, which is true as an example. I think one of the reasons why is because he's trying to show the listeners then and, and the readers and, and even us that they were completely dependent on someone to show mercy of whom was an enemy. Samaritans and Jewish, they were enemies. And he's completely dependent on this Samaritan individual to show him mercy. And, and, and when we think about who do we identify with in this story, you know, I said maybe a Samaritan. At times, if I'm honest, I, shamefully, I identify with a priest and the Levite. I, I know there's been countless times when I've I've, I've just walked by. I've seen and just, I've made it, I've, sometimes I've made excuses, sometimes valid, sometimes not really. And I, I, listen, I, I can, I'm sure we're all the same. There is times where you think, yeah, there's, justification is right, but there's other times where you think, oh, I could have done something there. And, 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 and sometimes we have to, you know, really seek God on that one. 
But the person that we identify most is, is the man half dead on the side of the road. Because spiritually, you and I are dead. That's what the, the, the scriptures teach, Ephesians 2.5, that, that we were dead in our trespasses, dead in our sin, far from God, without hope, abandoned, separated from him. That is, that is, that is the state of us. Yet Jesus Christ steps in to our world. He comes along our road and he stops for us on the side of the road and he shows us mercy and compassion. Even though we're his enemies. What does it say? Romans 5.10, we though we were enemies of God, he sent his son, Christ, to come and reconcile us to him. He is the, you know, the one that it points to. In the, in the story of the Good Samaritan, it, he comes and he, 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 he bounds up his wounds by cleansing and washing with oil and wine. Well, in the same way, Christ comes and he binds up our wounds and he purifies us by washing us with his blood. In the story, it, it cost the, the Samaritan. He put his life at risk. He put his life at risk by going and, and, and trying to help this individual. Jesus came and he laid his life down. Love looks like something and it's called the cross. Love costs something and it costs Jesus his life. No greater love than this, the one who lays down his life for his friends. That's what it says in, in the scripture. This is what Jesus is, is getting at in this story. That we're the ones that are completely in need of him. Jesus came to pay a debt that we could not pay. Another pastor in America, Tim Keller, talks about how actually this story of the Good Samaritan, what it really does is it points to the Great Samaritan, Jesus Christ. And it's only when we grasp this, it's only when we grasp this sort of love that we've received and are recipients of, a love that is, where life has been laid down for us, a life where we know that actually, coming back to the question, the man says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? You know, what, did, what has Christ done to inherit eternal life for us? When we receive that love and understand that, only then can we be those who show and demonstrate and give out that type of radical love to others. A love that was most demonstrated in the life, death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Let's respond to Christ together now. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to look at it today. And we thank you that you did not spare your own son, but you gave him as a ransom for many. Lord, we pray will you help us, help us by your spirit to be those who stop and see. Help us to be those who who, who let love look like something to act. Help us to be those, Lord, who are doing kingdom work in and around daily, just the different people that we see. Help us to see. But Lord, also help us to be those who receive this love and grace that you've so given us. Thank you that you are our great Samaritan, that you bled and died for us. We're so grateful and we worship you, King Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.